Welcome to the Athletes Podcast, where we interview athletes. Hey, it's Simon. Welcome back. Today we have Angelika Resnick, a rhythmic gymnast who's competed at the London Olympics, won bronze medals in the Youth Olympics, five Pan American Game medals, and has participated in five world championships in rhythmic gymnastics and aesthetic group gymnastics. Angelica, it's so great to have you here with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to get this started. Yeah, let's get started. Uh, tell us how you got into gymnastics when you were young. What's the story there? So my story is um, interesting. I, have, I was actually born in Kazakhstan. And at the age of two, my family and my twin sister, we all immigrated to Israel. And then at around eight years old, we all immigrated to Canada. So when we got to Canada at around 10 years old, uh, my mom wanted to put my twin sister and I in some kind of sport or after school activity. And she herself was actually a rhythmic gymnast back in Kazakhstan. And she, she sort of did it professionally and she knew the challenges and the difficulty of the sport, specifically rhythmic gymnastics. So she was very hesitant of putting us into it. So at first she tried different alternatives for us as in go to dance, go to ballet. And I remember finding it a, a little boring. So luckily close to our house, we had a rhythmic gymnastics club not too far away. So my mom, decided okay let's give this a try and I think she was also coaching at the same time so while she was doing that we were kind of running around doing rhythmic gymnastics and she said we fell in love with the sport that even kind of as a if we ever misbehaved our punishment would be okay you're gonna skip gymnastics practice and we would get really upset by it so and we just never ended up leaving the gym ever since That's fantastic. Um, when did you first compete? Tell us about that. Mm, so since I started training at 10 years old, so for around six months, I think I was inter-club level. So this essentially means that you're just a complete newbie and you're just learning the sport. And um, my, my sister and I, we progressed very quickly. So within that six months, we were pr uh, put in a provincial uh, competition level. So I think at the age of 11, we started competing provincially. So we were slowly getting success with kind of every competition, it got better, better. And within uh, two years, I was actually the provincial champion. And I think four years later, um, me and my twin sister were flying to Singapore to compete at the Youth Olympic Games and ended up winning a bronze medal. <laughs> How was that experience at, uh, at your age? I'm sure that your mom's experience in the sport had helped a lot because it seems like you advanced pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was genetic, but I think um, it all came down to work ethic. I personally love training. I love pushing myself. I'm that person at the gym who didn't want to talk to anybody else. I was very focused on my work and if somebody was kind of disturbing my class I would be the one kind of getting upset because I want to 
to I'm I'm very like competitive and hard on myself and I like to challenge and push myself so for me I always wanted to be my best version of myself so I wasn't competitive in terms of oh I have to beat this girl specifically or like me and my twin sister would essentially be competing against each other it wasn't my goal to let's say be better than her my goal was just to just not make mistakes and have clean routines so I think that's what really pushed kind of my improvement in my career and then just having that uh, moment to go to the youth olympics now that i reflect on it i remember not thinking too much of it i just thought of it as a regular competition um you know in a sense that is not a big deal but now that i realize um it's kind of a huge accomplishment and it's just interesting how like the mentality that you have when you're younger is completely different when you're older. Tell us about that mentality. I mean, uh, you know, you were competing at a time where the world was open and, and now I'm sure because of the pandemic, things have perhaps become a bit more complicated. Yeah, for sure. Especially um, in rhythmic gymnastics, I do the group category. So it's a team sport consisting of five to even sometimes seven girls. So um, um, usually we're supposed to keep like a distance from us from I mean, from like each other. And essentially, we couldn't train for a long time. Whereas let's say the individual athletes could do some some stuff on their own, even at home. But in the group category, you're competing as a team. And uh, when you compete, it's all about um, collaboration, interaction, like lifting each other, doing things together. So um, for rhythmic gymnastics, like the group category probably suffered the most in all of this, just because um, even in Canada, they have way stricter regulations compared to other countries. So whereas other countries could have probably been training this entire time, Whereas in Canada, it's a little more strict and we have to like keep our distances. So Angelica, with the Olympics upcoming not too far from now, many people might not know about the state of uh, rhythmic gymnastics and what's going on. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so in rhythmic gymnastics, our sport is not very popular. And this kind of shows in our international results in terms of um, it's a slowly progressing sport and it's also a fairly new sport in general compared to a majority of other sports and um, since it's not that well known it doesn't receive as much attention and also the athletes uh, don't always get heard or kind of their concerns and wishes and because of the pandemic there was this extreme unfortunate situation where the Canadian gymnasts won't be able to compete at the Tokyo Olympics that are coming up. Really? Can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, of course. So not too long ago, Gymnastics Canada made an announcement deciding that the Tokyo Olympic qualifier for several gymnastics disciplines, they will not allow their athletes to travel and to compete, which is held in Brazil. And they're concerned are um, the safety issues regarding the pandemic. 
so the disciplines that were affected by it is the women artistic gymnastics, the men's artistic gymnastics, and trampoline, and of course us, the rhythmic gymnasts. But in every discipline, there is kind of different situations. So the artistic women gymnastics, they already qualified uh, five spots at the Olympics. So to them, skipping this qualifier is not a big deal. Uh, likewise for trampoline, they actually have another qualifier they can attend to instead, which is held in Italy. So they have that opportunity. Whereas the men's artistic gymnastics and the rhythmic gymnastics, this was our only chance of potentially qualifying to the Tokyo Olympic Games. And that was taken away from us. It seems like um, a, a soft spot because uh, you might've been wanting to compete. Yeah, so I, I was potentially also one of the athletes that was supposed to compete at this qualifier. Um, because last minute, several athletes on the team actually ended up um, quitting the group category because the Olympics were postponed a year and several gymnasts had other plans. So there were kind of vacant spots and me as an athlete who is, um, let's say, experienced, um, I was planning on kind of stepping in and helping Canada uh, qualified to the Olympics because I've been through this process and not many other Canadian and rhythmic gymnasts have. So I think I could have really assisted and kind of push um, the team in the right direction, even in a way motivate them and kind of essentially be a mentor and guide them and kind of explain to them that if I was able to do it, like they are also capable of doing the exact same thing. And is what you're saying right now, it's too late to do anything? Can anything be done? Yes. So when the announcement was made, not publicly, but to the athletes before that, um, Gymnastics Canada gave the gymnasts one day to appeal this decision. Um, after they appealed it, the results were not in the gymnast's favor. So essentially... No, at the moment, nothing can't be done. Well, at least I think so. You know, as you say that, it brings an interesting topic to mind when it comes to group competition and traveling during a pandemic. It makes one wonder whether uh, there are some kinds of um, leniency that can be done by the Olympics organization or by nations um, to kind of bridge that gap. You know, for instance, uh, maybe a virtual kind of uh, judging for those who couldn't travel, but that wanted to. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Yes, for sure. Well, as athletes, we were actually hoping for exactly that. We knew that the qualifiers are coming up and Gymnastics Canada has expressed concerns in advance that there's a potential that they were thinking that either might be canceled, that's what they were kind of hoping on it, but since it didn't get canceled, they decided to take the initiative and just not send their own athletes. And it would have been honestly the ideal situation where 
um, we could submit, let's say, a video or a live competition, or maybe there's some kind of accommodation could have been done just for Team Canada because let's say Gymnastics Canada doesn't want us to travel, but other countries still do. And that's that's the interesting part that Canada so far is the only country out of uh, the North and South American countries that have decided to pull their athletes out. So I don't know, it just kind of makes you think like, okay, well, other countries don't think that it's that risky or they just value their athletes Olympic dream or just slightly more I don't know like exactly what's the reasoning but it's just I find it interesting that Canada is the only one that's kind of concerned with this understood um yeah it definitely sounds like a difficult situation uh, do you have any other thoughts or I guess perspectives on what can be done or mm-hmm. ways to improve that on behalf of you and your team Yes. So for my personal opinion, I also think that it should also be the athlete's decision on whether they want to have those risks. So these athletes have been training or majority of these gymnasts have been training for five years leading up to these Olympics. So having someone to tell you that oh no, you can't compete at the Olympics. All that hard work you did was just for nothing, but don't worry about it. Just try again in three years for the Paris Olympics. You got this. Well, the answer to this is no, you don't got this because a lot of athletes, some were also planning on retiring after Tokyo. So this was their only chance at the Olympics. And as well, if it's just the situation wasn't, well thought out in a way that it's it's a big deal to athletes also on their mental health um it's a huge decision that having all this time you've trained trained for and worked hard for to just kind of essentially stolen away from you for essentially a re- like a potential risk that is not exactly there especially when there are a lot of precautions that could be taken or there was a possibility for alternatives And it's not clear exactly how well those were investigated. And if let's say the organizing committee couldn't allow video submissions, well, okay, well then why can't it be the athlete's decision? They travel at their own risk. And also if it's an issue of money and funding them, well, tell the athlete, okay, well, it's your responsibility to travel. You um, cover your own, kind of the funds to pay for yourself there and just do it at your own risk but we're not taking away your olympic dream just like proceed with caution um go ahead and also i'd like to mention that um some might think oh well these gymnasts are young they don't really know well um i would like to say that some of these gymnasts are around the age of 20 years old and also their parents let's say if they're they're let's say teenagers their parents also want them to have this opportunity to accomplish their dreams. So when you have all these parties that want to go, um, it's another case where let's say these gymnastics candidates decision, they're okay with it. Um, They're scared about the risk. They wanna um, just stay home and miss the Olympics. That's, That's okay, that's completely fine. You wanna do that, do that. 
but what about those that don't? And their wishes and demands weren't heard and aren't being heard. And this is where the problem stems from. When you were able to travel, could you tell us a little bit about the relationships you were able to forge with other gymnasts internationally? Because you've competed in so many areas across um, rhythmic gymnastics. Um, so I actually have so many wonderful memories from my gymnastics career. And a lot of them are to do having to do with the people I met. And luckily for me, um, I don't just speak English, I also speak Russian. So in the rhythmic gymnastics community, we have many Russian speaking people. So that has been a huge advantage in terms of communicating, not just with coaches, but also with athletes. And when you're in a team group sport, um, I find it that you are slightly more social. So I was able to make friends with um, the Russian team, uh, the Egyptians, and my favorite part is going to these um, multi-game um, competitions, like the Panam Games, the Youth Olympics, the Olympic Games, and the best part is actually the Olympic Village, just mixing and mingling with like-minded athletes. These high-performance athletes completely understand you and know exactly what you're going through, and to me, I, I have made some even like lifelong friends that I still talk to. And uh, it's just from around different countries, different parts of the world. So if I ever were to, uh, let's say travel to Russia, I have uh, still friends from rhythmic gymnastics that I could meet up and hang out with. And I think that's just really awesome. So what do you do on your downtime? It seems like you've committed a lifetime to the sport. Well, um, when I was training around, so after the Olympic Games 2012, um, I started going to university and I was one of those athletes that managed to be a full-time student and a full-time athlete. Um, and I, that's what I personally decided. I didn't wanna, I, I could have like many other athletes postponed education and focused it on it later, but I guess I like a good challenge and um, I decided to do it um, at the same time. And I'm happy to say I was successful. It was definitely challenging because of course I was traveling and had to miss courses, but it's all about discipline and time management at the end of the day. And I, I was able to graduate um, within four years of the exactly program timeline. And then um, I wasn't planning on going back to school, but recently uh, I've started studying at the University of London, England um, at the program for international sports management. Uh, and it's a postgraduate certificate program. And I'm actually, I'm currently working on that. And I just thought it was a, a great moment in my life right now because it's uh, the pandemic, we're all sitting at home and it is an online program. So what's best moment to make use of your time when you're sitting at home than 
um, get a university degree. <laughs> Congrats on all that. Seems like you always want to keep yourself busy and that's that's a great thing. Yeah, thank you so much. So actually before the pandemic, I was traveling around, not just for uh, gymnastics, but also just for my own. And I, I was living one year in Spain and I also was going to a Spanish school there for one year and and uh, I managed to learn some Spanish but it was definitely interesting because I've never ever studied it before because in Canada French uh, is the language that we learn compared to America or it's Spanish so it was definitely an interesting challenge and um, I love learning languages and I think it's just um, it'll be one more great way to communicate from athletes that I could, let's say, in Spanish now. You know, it's it's been great speaking to you and uh, learning about your story, some of the successes and the challenges, and um, definitely look forward to speaking again. But until then, um, if you could go back in time to any point in history, and meet someone famous, perhaps an athlete, who would it be? And uh, what kind of questions might you ask them? Oh, wow, <laughs> that's a tough question. Because <laughs> uh, for me, it's a little difficult to answer because I'm that kind of person growing up, I never really had an idol. And I think this answer would be suited, it would be easily answered if I did have one. Who? that's a tough one. I would honestly don't, it wouldn't really be an, like anyone famous, but I, I would be really curious to meet my mom when she was, let's say my age competing in gymnastics. I think that would be really interesting and kind of hearing her thoughts about it and kind of the emotions she was going through and just to kind of see and compare. I don't know, to me, I just, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, that does sound like a very good kind of insight you can get from your mom when she was in it at your age. Until yeah. we speak next time, it would be great if you could share a parting thought, a piece of wisdom for all those listening. Okay, so something I would like to share with everyone is I think all my success is due just not even in gymnastics but also just in life and school-wise education is make sure you work hard I think <laughs> that's the big one I know it sounds very cliche but my coach would always tell me the way you train in the gym is the way is the results you're going to achieve at the competition so and I think that's really really accurate and I think that has played has shown in my life very clearly and also on a different thought that I think in I think in my situations specifically, there are many athletes or in situations where, where when someone is scared to kind of speak out or say that something is wrong or it's 
even if it's just bothering you. A lot of people are scared to speak out just in the sense that they're worried of how others are gonna perceive it or even just getting penalized for it or punished. And I think people should be slightly more braver and just speak out and just not be scared because essentially you have this one life and if you live it in kind of fear of a bubble and who knows, maybe if you speak out, you could achieve change, something could happen, something good. And then if you don't speak out, you don't have this chance and opportunity. And I'm realizing this kind of recently with this whole situation with the Olympics. And I'm realizing that many people are just afraid to speak out. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong about stating your opinion, even if the majority of people may disagree. Thanks for hearing the Athletes Podcast and stay tuned for more episodes.